Today I'm continuing lesson number two in a series of sermons entitled, I Never Thought I'd See Today. I Never Thought I'd See Today. Last Sunday I spoke to you about marriage and I spoke to you about four attacks against marriage. Today I'm going to speak to you on marriage again and I want to read from chapter 2, Genesis verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to Adam, to the the man being Adam. And Adam said, wow. Well, he should have. He'd never seen it before. Let's keep it spiritual. Verse 23. Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. I need ten seconds of your prayers. You have nine left. Point your hand this way. Thank you, Jesus. Pray with me, everybody, for this word and where we are. Come on, pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you would cause us to have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. I pray you'd cause us to lay aside our own preconceived notions. And we accept your word because your word is life and life everlasting. Make us one at your table today. Make us one in your word. I pray, O God, that the enemy would not use any kinds of tactics. And if he does, to steal the jewels of the word from your children, I pray that you'd rebuke it, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we would know the truth and it will make us free. And I pray that together we'd be one, not only as hearers, but doers of the word. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. And thank you for being seated. Praise the Lord. Brian, I'm just going to transition to another mic and may come back to this one. For the sake of time and moving into the Word, I'm not going to reintroduce this series of lessons from last Sunday. But I'm going to use for a subject this morning, one man, one woman, for a reason. Last Sunday I gave you a definition of marriage that while it may be a little lengthy by way of words, it's biblical in its rendition. Marriage is one man and one woman united spiritually, emotionally, physically, publicly, and legally in a lifetime bond of loyal love for procreation, channeling sexual and emotional energy, and serving as a civilizing and stabilizing factor in society. I'll keep it there for a moment in case you want to ponder it. And I will go further 
into this series now on this lesson today and say to you that the design for marriage originated with God and it rests on His eternal principles. God designed marriage as a partnership between one man and one woman. Marriage, one man and one woman, is God's idea. And God's never had a bad idea. Marriage is not the union of multiple partners or same-sex partners. It is the union of one man with one woman. All the debate in recent years about the definition of marriage is based on the rejection of God's creation model. From God's perspective, what constitutes a marriage is absolutely clear. God made man a male. And then he designed another human being who was the same as him, but different, a woman, a female. The man and woman God created corresponded to each other in a unique way, both in terms of their physical bodies and their personalities. And the Bible says God brought them together and gave them to each other in a special relationship. This then was the first marriage and it was to be and continues to be the pattern for marriage. From the very beginning it was designed by God as a gift to humanity. God's plan for marriage as a gift to humanity and as the foundation for what we now call social order. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it is important to notice that the union God established in Genesis 2 was characterized by the relationship words of husband and wife. It's on the screen. Genesis 2 and 24, our text. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Seven verses later, the word husband appears. And the Bible says in Genesis 3 and 6, she also gave to her husband. Now if you look at Genesis 2 and 24, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they become one flesh. You understand therefore that the oneness to be found in marriage as God planned it is the same kind of oneness found in the Holy Trinity. God is three persons in one. Husband and wife are two persons who become one through marriage. The oneness that exists between a man and his wife cannot be experienced in the union of a woman with a woman, nor a man with a man. It'll never happen. Male and female were created as complementary units in order to know intimacy 
even and especially with and only with the opposite sex. This kind of complementary oneness is impossible between two people of the same sex. So I, I say to you, marriage then is a covenant relationship between one man and one woman who unite in an exclusive relationship as husband and wife. Dr. David Jeremiah renders it so well, I cannot improve upon it. I simply must quote him. He puts it this way. We cannot reinvent our fundamental institutions without going against the created order. To think that God's creation is changeable, that sexes are interchangeable, or that men and women can find personal fulfillment in other ways often lead to disaster, both personally and in society. Now some of you take notes and some of you take mental notes. Either way you do, you need to get this next sentence. Nothing ultimately functions correctly unless we use it in the way it was created to be used. Hear me again. Nothing ultimately functions correctly unless we use it in the way it was created to be used, especially the human body. I go further. To employ the human body and psyche in ways that were not created to be used will be to lead to the same kind of disaster as trying to use your automobile as a motorboat. You may feel exhilaration and freedom as you fly through the air after driving off the pier, but it will not float for long once it lands in the water. Nothing ultimately functions correctly unless we use it in the way it was created by God to be used. Dr. James Merritt, pastors in Metro Atlanta, recently had an occasion to be in a meeting on preaching. There I purchased a book that he wrote not long ago entitled, God, I've Got a Question. And on this question of homosexuality and gay marriage, Dr. James Merritt says it this way. The argument about gay marriage is not really about gays. It's really an argument about marriage. Gay marriage is not about extending marriage as we know it. It's about ending marriage as we know it. Neither homosexuals nor heterosexuals can deny that the only way that marriage can be extended to gays is to fundamentally change the meaning of marriage. Robert H. Knight, former director of the Culture and Family Institute and also the draftsman of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act. You remember I cited it last week. And you remember I told you last week that last year President Obama empowered his attorney general to not defend the federal law of the United States when it came up for defense. DOMA, D-O-M-A, the Defense of Marriage Act, which says that marriage is the union of one man with one woman and no other state in the union 
must be compelled to obey the law of another state if it violates the law. Robert Knight says, giving insight on marriage as we know it from the Bible and tradition. In an article entitled, The Case for Marriage, he puts it this way. And I like it so well, I'll put it on the screen for you. Marriage is the union of two sexes, not just the union of two people. It is the union of two families and the foundation for establishing kinship patterns and family names. Passing on property and providing the optimal environment for raising children. But there's more. He further says the term marriage refers specifically to the joining of two people of the opposite sex. When that is lost, marriage becomes meaningless. You can no more leave an entire sex out of marriage and call it marriage than you can leave chocolate out of a chocolate brownies recipe. It becomes something else. So if you see two people promoting same-sex marriage against the Word of God, you tell them, you something else. Because they are. Thank you. In his letter to the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul addressed numerous doctrinal errors in that church. One of the most worldly church of the New Testament was the church at Corinth. They had given themselves over in the name of God to all manner of abuses, including Holy Communion, speaking in tongues, abusing it. And especially sexual immorality. And Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Speaking about the oneness. One man, one woman. Marriage as God instituted it. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 11. Nevertheless neither is the man independent of the woman. Nor the woman independent of the man in the Lord. We were created As separate in gender. So that we might complete and complement one another in God's plan for our union. One man with one woman. I move on to tell you that one man, one woman honors God's guidelines for human sexuality. God's design for marriage is not some simply lofty spiritual idea somewhere. The Bible also, church, outlines a specific plan for human sexuality. So that we don't go by the urges of our flesh that is carnal without God. To live by the urges of our flesh alone is to lead us to death. And so, the the Bible tells us throughout Scripture, God's intention for human sexual relationships is clearly defined to the heterosexual union between a man and a woman in marriage. In marriage. By stark contrast to the world, sex outside of the marriage relationship whether it be heterosexual or homosexual in nature is clearly defined as sin in the sight of God sin the apostle paul writing to the 
writing to the church at Rome and writing to believers beyond in the book known as Romans, speaks specifically of the sin of homosexuality and calls it as God calls it. And he says in Romans 1, please, in verse 26, and I'll read it, you follow. God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchange a natural use of what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameless and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And Paul is saying that if one refuses to follow God's plan and come under God's covering, how many know God has a plan and His plan is good for us? Say amen. Amen. And just like a good earthly parent will discipline and bring their children within certain boundaries and certain plans and say, don't stay out past this amount of hours in the night and don't hang with the wrong crowd and don't drink this and don't shoot this up. Just like good earthly parents try to create boundaries of safety for their children, even more our heavenly Father creates boundaries for His children so that we might live pure and holy and be blessed and inherit eternal life. Paul says, when you step out of these boundaries, God will turn you over to your vile passions. Doesn't make it right, and God's favor has left you. And you risk losing your soul. You will, because sin causes one to lose their soul unless it repent, they repented of. I want you to know and understand that same-sex marriage opens the door for all kinds of distorted and unnatural unions under the guise of marriage. A few years back, Stanley Kurtz, a research fellow at the Hoover Institution, summed up the crisis of the potential crisis of gay marriage. And in the magazine entitled Weekly Standard, he wrote an article and he made this notation. He said, If gay marriage is legalized, Marriage will be transformed into a variety of relationship contracts linking two, three or more individuals in every conceivable combination of male and female. Now, I want you to think, because I've been thinking a lot, a long time. I want you to think and to understand that because... We may not want to deal with it, doesn't mean that God won't deal with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want you to think and understand that if there was a certain symptom of abnormal health that appeared in your body, be it an abnormal cough or a growth on a limb or a leg, in the natural physical way, just because you ignore it doesn't make it go away. Many of physicians, and thank God for the physicians we have in our church, will say to patients who ignored the symptoms too long, something of this effect, I wish you had come sooner. I could have helped you more. I wish you had taken the prescription. I could have helped you more. In my family, regrettably, but I'm praying over it, in my extended family, and perhaps in yours, there are those who have chosen the homosexual, lesbian lifestyle. 
But I choose by the grace of God, and I pray that you will, if you're born again, blood-bought Christian, to address the sin and to love the sinner like Christ does. Please understand, every homosexually practicing homosexual or lesbian or same-sex couple that chooses to visit this church looking for Jesus is welcome here. Just like any adulterer or fornicator or liar or thief or con man. I'm dealing with marriage, so I'm focusing on that today. Whosoever will, let him come. And come looking for Jesus. But I may be short and I may be bald. But do not come here trying to change the word of God. That's where we stop. So the advocates of same-sex marriage and homosexuality says, Why should we be hindered from marrying or living together? We love one another. And isn't love enough? No. Because the way the world interprets love and the way God interprets love can be at times diametrically opposite. The world says now that eight states in the union have legalized same-sex marriage without the approval of the citizens of the state... And I want to remind you, in every state in this union where same-sex marriage is allowed, it's because the legislature took it upon themselves to vote without giving the people a referendum. And in every state in these United States where same-sex marriage has been tested by the public and giving them a chance to vote, it has been voted down as recently as North Carolina, 62%. I say, praise God. But it's not just imaginary, it's practical. That opening the door for same-sex marriage then creates all kinds of possible, contorted, distorted unions under the name of love. So then the Mormons and the Muslims can get together and say, we believe in polygamy. So we, I love these five women, you marry me. Uh, yeah, I said that. Uh, somebody could say, I love this child. This child loves me. I love these many, I, I love five men. Uh, and what right do you have to stop us? I'm not trying to create scenario. I'm telling you the destruction and the potential. And so I'm also saying to you that it's not just my job alone as a preacher of the gospel to defend the word of God. If you're ever going to rise up and testify, if you think, oh, help me, Lord, I've got to be careful how I use my words. I've already been through the battle that I'm in a building program and this word may come across in a way that folks say, I don't want to be there. I've already wrestled with the issue of 
The negative, I have a diversified congregation. For goodness sake, I, I wasn't born last night. I've been pastoring this church 27. I know the cultural difference. I know the potential divisiveness. I didn't come here running for anybody's office. I know we need millions of dollars to build the church, but I've been doing this for 27 and a half years and I've never been late on a bill and none of my staff has ever missed a salary and God's never let me down. I'm, I'm, I am a preacher of the gospel. So please understand, you sitting back somewhere in some corner somewhere and, and, and saying, help him Lord, ain't helping a whole lot. You need to stand up. You just say, your son or your daughter, I love you, but you're not bringing sin into my house in any form. Alcohol, drugs, shacking up, including homosexuality. Since they decided to come out of the closet, I hope to God, and I don't mean this bad, that you don't go hiding in one. Let me give another thought. One man, one woman is God's plan for procreation and bringing up children. Not long after God brought Adam and Eve in the union of marriage, he said to them in Genesis 1.21, God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Later on in Genesis chapter 9 verse 11, after the world was destroyed by a flood and only Noah and his family were saved on the ark. When God caused the waters to recede and the ark to land on dry ground and God opened the door of the ark permitting the animals and Noah and his family to step out. God's word to Noah and his family. In Genesis 9 and 11, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Procreation, having children, and bringing them up, is God's way of repopulating the earth in the institution of marriage with one man and one woman. Christian scholar Denish de Sousa said some time ago, and I like it so well, I concur. So marriage is the incubator of children. It is the only known mechanism for the healthy cultivation of the next generation. Marriage is the incubator of children. We use different terms, different slangs, different analogies to determine or for somebody to say that they're pregnant. And somebody came across that something to me a few years ago that I hadn't heard about before. She had a smile on her face, a glow, a happy, and I got good news, Pastor. We got a, we got a, a bun in the oven. That's what she said. We got a bun, bun in the oven. I'm thinking, so you all are baking? What's so great about that? And, I, and she had to teach me. I'm pregnant. I got a bun that will develop into a loaf. Give it nine months. Marriage is the incubator of children. Two parents of the same sex, however loving or nurturing they may be, cannot meet the unique needs of children the same way that a mother or a father can. Never happened. 
A mother is ill-equipped to teach her son what it means to be a man, just as a father cannot teach his daughter what, how to be a woman. Same-sex relationships undermine the future generation's understanding of several things. One is the fundamental principles of marriage and the principles of being parents and the principles of the uniqueness of the male and female gender. Here's the danger. I'm hurrying. Thank you. I was going to anyhow. Here's the danger. The destruction of the traditional family will condemn millions of children to temporary relationships involving multiple moms or dads, six or eight grandparents, and perhaps a dozen or more half-siblings who will come and go as those who care for them meander from one sexual relationship to another. These children will be shuffled from pillar to post in an ever-changing pattern of living conditions. You think that it's hard to keep the union of a man and a woman as God designed in marriage a struggle as it is and a family together. Statistics show that homosexual couples go from partner to partner to partner more regularly than any other kind of union. And children... Children will be brought up in the context as they are being now in some places where the word mother means nothing, the word father means nothing, the gender of sexuality means nothing, and they will become confused and they will become uh, all kinds of other ways psychologically and physically affected under the guise of a nation that's gone crazy after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So what do we do? We work on the quality of our own marriage. Did you hear what I said? You work on your own marriage. Marriage is work. But if you'll work it, it'll work. What do you do? You teach your children to honor marriage. One man, one woman for life. Already in the state of Massachusetts, which was the first state in the Union by its legislature to permit same-sex marriage, there are already books published. Children are being taught in the elementary schools and the lower grades that it's all right and it's acceptable and they promote it. The acceptance of man marrying a man, woman with a woman. There are little books, and I've seen the copy of it. I haven't put my hand on it. One called King to King, where two princes fall in love. Two prince, prince male, and marry one another. There are also books being given to students explaining homosexual acts and how they themselves can perform them later. This is in America. Please, you, please, please understand... Please understand when I tell you that if you don't teach your children, the world is going to shove something else on them. 
There was a father and mother in Massachusetts who objected to the state teaching their children homosexual marriage and even uh, all the other details imposing it on them. And, and the Board of Education and the, the, the superintendent of that particular district uh, said, no, it's the law of the land and we have a right to teach it. I have no problem with it. They put the father in jail for saying it violates my religious freedom as a Christian where I believe that marriage is a union of one man with one woman. They threw him in jail. This is in America. There will come a day in America, I've told you this for years, if you, that what I am saying right now will become hate crime material. I'm telling you, that, that, no, not in America. I never thought I'd see the day, but this is the day. I want you to understand that you, you and I... We don't need to sit and wait for somebody to do what God's called us to do. We urge schools to adopt marriage and family curricula that encourages sexual abstinence until marriage. What else do we do, Pastor? We support, volunteer for, donate to, and vote for candidates for public office at all levels who pledge to limit marriage and its benefits to the union of one man and one woman. What do we do, Pastor? We actively oppose and vote against candidates who refuse to defend the definition and institution of marriage. Now look at me and listen to me. For almost four years, I've never said a word from this pulpit about some of the policies and choices of President Obama until last Sunday. He and his vice president, who claim to be Christians, one a Catholic and one a Methodist, who claimed to know the Word of God, went on public national television and together affirmed same-sex union. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here for you to understand, this is not about Democrats and Republicans and Independents. It is about, thus saith the Word of God. You You hear me? You hear me when I tell you You hear me when I tell you, whomever you endorse, and wherever you put your money and your vote, whatever you endorse, you become a part of it. The spirit of it comes on you. You all didn't hear me. Whatever you give approval to, money, time, talent, or voting, whomever, when you put that out there, it comes on you. When you bless what God blesses, it will bless you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling you, God being my helper. May, listen to me, I didn't come to preach this because John Hagee's preaching it somewhere. I don't know what he's preaching. I didn't check with T.D. Jakes and I respect him and thank God. I didn't check with him and see what he's preaching today so I could go ahead and broach this subject. I didn't didn't check with Joyce Myers. I didn't check with, with anybody else. I checked with the Holy Ghost. And there comes a time when you cannot afford to shut your mouth. Silence may be golden, but I don't work for the president. I don't work for the Democrats. I don't work for the Republicans. I'm not running for an office. I want one day for God to say to Alan Matura, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When everybody else was shutting up, you preached the word. I want God to put his stamp on my life. I'd rather be a friend of God than a friend of the world. Somebody glad for God, you ought to give the Lord some praise. 
Be seated just a moment. When is it right to resist the government? Is it ever right to resist the government? Some years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. rose up with courage, backbone, and the fear of man, but the fear of God. And led this country in a movement that is still in progress, but we come a mighty long ways. Thank God for equality for all. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. believed in the Word of God and civil rights and civil disobedience. And though many lost their lives, it was time then to resist the government. Red, yellow, black, white, or brown, we are all equal in His sight. All of us. All of us. Ever. God has no favorite colors. Yeah, some of you going to be surprised you get to heaven. He's speaking Spanish. <laughs> or French. Or Hindi. I won't understand it. All I know is English. Is it ever right to resist the government? Whenever the government resists God. Pastor, where you come up with that silly idea? From right here. I don't have time now, but I will touch on it. Read your Bible. Go to Daniel sometime. Don't go now. The king made a decree. Daniel 3. Made it the law of the land. Built an idol 90 foot high, made of gold. About maybe 9 or 10 feet wide. Idol. Summoned the entire population from the leaders down to the paupers. Show up in the capital city of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom of Babylon. At the sound of the harp, the trumpet, the lyre, and all kinds of instruments. Everybody in my kingdom must bow down and worship this idol that I have erected. It's the law of the land. And if you don't, you'll be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Isn't that the word of God? The fire was already lit. The furnace was already charred and stirred up. And whatever was in there to make it hot. The people who came from all over the kingdom. Multiple of thousands. And, and, and they came at the decree of the king. It's the law of the land. You will worship the God of the king and the God he built. And the Bible said the, the, the music sounded and everybody. Some felt prostrate on their face. Before the king's idol. And everybody bow down. But three Hebrews. Whose name were Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They came from their homeland. And were made slaves. From Israel to Babylon. In captivity were made slaves. And while the king made them slaves. They kept their God with them. Can I get an amen here somebody. I may be forced to be in some place at a different time. I may not be under my control. But you cannot change who my God is and what I feel about Him and what He's done for me. Devil may be all around me, but God in me will keep me. The word got to the king, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These Jews you brought here and given power, they're not bowing down. The king says, bring them here. Bring them here. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you hadn't bowed down? Maybe you don't understand our Babylonian ways. We'll give you another chance. This music don't sound a little bit, and you bow down like everybody else. It's the law of the land. 
And just in case you don't think I mean business, tell the guys who's in charge of the fire to heat it up. Heat it up seven times hotter. Read your Bible. Make it seven times hotter. They made it seven times hotter. Mm, I'm trying to suppress a whoop glory right about now. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in the matter that you told us about because you're the king. We're just slaves. If that be the case, O king, you're throwing us in the fire and all. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And that's where most people stop. But that ain't where the scriptures stop. But if not, even if it becomes the law of the whole land and all 50 states give same-sex marriage approval, if it all happens, I'm still going to stand on the Word of God. If not, listen, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the gold image you set up. The trumpet sounded, the music blasted. Everybody fell on their face and whole multitudes of acres and acres of worshippers worshipping this God. The king set up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fire. The men throwing them in the fire were burned by the fire. They died. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego started walking around in the furnace. Boys, I uh, reckon it's going to rain today. Just walking around. The king says, whoa, whoa, whoa. King came a little close, close enough to where he won't get burned like the helpers. Oh, here's the whoop glory. Didn't I throw three boys in there? see a fourth man in the fire and the fourth man is like unto the son of God I'm here to tell you you won't ever have to walk alone if you'll stand with God he'll air condition your fire he'll fight your battles if you'll hold on to God God will give us the victory put your hands together and praise him come on everybody help me everybody stand up everybody stand up Everybody, give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Jesus. My, 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 my. How many know that you deserved the fire because you failed God before, but He didn't burn you up? He blessed you. Lift your hand and thank God that you are one of those that He gave another chance to. Come on and pray for somebody else another chance. Lift up your hands. And now say, God, how should I respond to this word today? You won't have to decide long. There's only one way to respond, and that's to obey. Come on, raise up your hands. Give me the courage to obey. Tell the Lord that. Give me the courage, oh God. I don't want to leave it up to the preacher only. I want to, I want to be a part of those who save the family and thus save our souls. Come on. You got a son. You got a daughter, perhaps. You got a grandson or a granddaughter. You got somebody in public or private school. You got somebody this morning that are on, on the throes of making the decision. That could ruin their soul, but you pray for them right now. I thank you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. I want Christians to intercede. I want every head bowed for just a moment. 
Just very softly, my brother. Every head bowed. Nobody looking. Please. Please. This is, this is the moment that I consider life and death. Heaven or hell. I want to say to you. If you are practicing a lifestyle of sin. Be it what I described or otherwise. The Lord Jesus calls you today into his kingdom. To give you a new life. And a changed life. And eternal life. Please hear me when I understand. If you ignore God's word and walk out of here without receiving his gift, you take the responsibility of the consequences and cannot blame God or others. But I'm not here to scare you into salvation. I'm here to offer you his invitation. Today is the day for turnaround. What you can't overcome, pray Christians in under your breath. What you can't overcome and resist in your own strength, God will help you. God will help you change companions. God will help you change environments. God will help you change your mind. Because He loves you. And He wants for you a future and a hope that this world cannot give you. Pastor Matura, if I were to die today or stand before God in the future, having not received Him, His Son is my Savior, I know. I'm not fooling myself or nothing. I know I will not be ready. And therefore I will not be allowed into heaven. Pastor, I don't want to take that chance. Today, I want to change and turn around. I want to respond to the word. I need Jesus. Head bows and eyes closed. Raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands. Hold it up. Hold it up. Thank you. Nobody looking. This is just between God and them. Numbers of hands. Numbers. Put them down. Thank you. Everybody in the church, repeat this prayer after me. I know that I'm asking people already saved to repeat it. It's not meaning that you need to get saved again. It means that you encourage those who are praying it. Everybody, out loud together. Here we go. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to give me another chance. Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. I cannot fool you. I cannot fool myself. And today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. Wash them away by your blood and your power. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. I forsake my old life. And today, I take my new life in Jesus Christ. Turn me around, Lord. Help me, Jesus, to make the right decisions. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I confess you as Lord. And by faith, I receive you as my Savior. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together. Sing, my brother. Everybody, come on. Everybody, put your hands together. Now, before we go, raise your hands and bless Him. Don't leave unless you have Him. Sing to Him and bless Him.